0: Ask yourself, what would have to happen to get the Federal Reserve, which just hiked rates yesterday, to in the very near future, maybe even at its next meeting, turn around 180 degrees and begin cutting its rates? Would it be anything different than what we're seeing right now? Events all across the marketplace are accelerating, in the banking system, in the curves, pretty much everywhere you look, including the real economy. Let's start with where we are now. The Federal Reserve hiked its rates yesterday, as you probably know, and I said, who cares? And we don't really care necessarily about the Federal Reserve, except most people judge the situation in the monetary system and the banking system by what the Fed does. So the Fed hiked its rates yesterday saying inflation is the biggest risk, we're still concerned about the economy being too good, and we're not concerned at all about this banking crisis. The statement they released said all the right things, including this. The U.S. banking system is sound and resilient. Tighter credit conditions for households and businesses are likely to weigh on economic activity, hiring, and inflation, but the extent of these remains uncertain. No, it's not uncertain at all. But Jay Powell says, We still think inflation is the biggest risk, and until we see otherwise, we're going to say the economy is doing so well. At his press conference, He was asked, markets, rate cuts, what do you think here? And he said, we on the committee have a view that inflation is going to come down, not so quickly. It will take some time. In that world, if that forecast is broadly right, it would not be appropriate to cut rates. Powell says they just hiked rates. They're probably gonna stop there, but they're still more concerned about inflation than anything. And according to him and his view, even a mild recession will not be enough to get the Federal Reserve to think about cutting rates. It would have to be something very substantially bad in order to get the Fed to turn around and start cutting. Remember, the Fed meets again on June 13th and 14th, and then the meeting after that would be July 25th and 26th. So what has to happen to get the hawks, the inflation is the biggest risk, to start thinking about cutting rates in, at the, in the middle of June, if not almost certainly by the end of July. As I said, as I asked before, would it be anything different than what we're seeing already right now? Let's go over what's going on in the marketplace. But first, I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, Eurodollar University has memberships available at our website, exclusive videos and content that goes over the background, what money is, what it actually does, how the Fed does not fit into it really all that well. Why is the Fed so so, uh, so dependent upon psychological tools rather than actual monetary tools? All the answers are for, available for you at Eurodollar University memberships as are in our research subscriptions. Daily briefing in partnership with MarketsInsiderPro.com. That's Stephen Van Meter, Chasey Shukart, as well as the Daily Deep Dive, where, as the name says, we dive deep into all of these topics. Eurodollar.university. So the fed like the ecb let's not forget the ecb actually raised rates to do today and the fed like the ecb both of them say inflation 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 and as i said yesterday the markets are all (laughs) resoundingly saying they're screaming deflation 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 and in the last 24 hours since i recorded that video it has only gotten more loud the screaming whatever you want to call it. the major moves and curves and markets it's i mean it's it's everywhere they're all saying deflation 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 and not only they're saying deflation as a risk they're saying it is likely here we're finally at that moment where we've been waiting for how long would it take for the fed to actually see what's going on in reality and how long would it take for them to realize that this reality is not what they think it is while the markets are pricing, that moment is drawing closer and closer and closer. Maybe even the very next Fed meeting in the middle of June. As it stands, as I'm talking to you right now, and intraday prices, they can move around a lot. So that caveat in mind, and before I started recording I, ch- recording, I checked all of the prices and this is what we got. And three-month term SOFR currently, or as of yesterday, three-month term SOFR was 5.06%, which is consistent with, where the fed is going to put the RRP. It's actually a little bit low because the RRP is going to be 505 starting today, 506 for term SOFR, three month term SOFR. Okay. That's a little bit low, but now let's look at three month term SOFR futures, which are a bet on where three month term SOFR will be at various points in the future. I know it can get confusing, but basically the markets are trying to figure out where this three month money benchmark will be in the future. How about the very near-term future? The June 2023 ter- three-month term SOFR contract. So what will three-month term SOFR be around the middle of June, the next time the Federal Reserve meets? The The, the last check of the price was 9,506, which means the market is saying, the market's not saying that, that uh, three-month term SOFR will be 4.94% in the middle of June. What that's saying is that there's a better than trivial chance the three-month term SOFR will be lower in June than it is right now. It's not 100%, it's not a huge certainty, but it's a very good chance, the market is betting, there's a good chance that three-month term SOFR will be lower in June than it will be today. And one way that could happen, if the Federal Reserve, if something happens between now and then that gets the Federal Reserve to say, ooh, we need to forget inflation. We need to forget all that higher for longer. We need to start thinking about rate cuts because deflation, deflation, deflation. Banking, and, and I mean, they're gonna think about bank, banking, uh, what's going on in the banking system rather than anything with deflation. But the banking the crisis that's going on right now, as I'll get to in just a moment, that's a symptom of the deflationary monetary conditions that we've been talking about all along, interruption, in the circulation of money and credit and everything else. July three-month term SOFR contract, that was at 95.125. Now we're getting into a very good chance. Again, That's not don't take these contracts literally, these are probability distributions, but that price for three-month term SOFR in July, that's the market saying that there's a very good chance that uh, three-month, ter- ter- three-month term SOFR rates will be lower by the time we get to July than they are today. So already in the near-term meetings, in the near-term months, the market is pricing going down. That there's a growing chance that the Fed turns around, if not in June, but almost certainly by July. And that's backed up by the September contract for three-month term SOFR, which is at 95.48, which is basically the market saying, by the time we get to September, there'll be three Fed meetings in between, Rates are going to be cut at one of those, if not more than one. In 95.48, it sounds like the market's saying, okay, if the Fed doesn't cut in June or even July, it's going to be a 50 or more by the time it starts. So by the time we get to the late, by the time we get to late summer, there's almost a, it's almost certain. I don't want to use that term certain, but it's, it's very probable. It's hugely probable that rates are much, they're substantially lower than they are today what has to happen in order for, in order to get the Federal Reserve to maybe at this last meeting hike rates and then at the next meeting say we have to cut them or the meeting after that within a couple meetings, they're turning around and cutting rates. That's what the market's pricing and it's not just three month term SOFR futures, we're also seeing bad steepening, both forms of bad steepening in the treasury curve. Now before I get to the bad steepening, let's talk about what's going on in the banking system. Now I made a, a video on March 28th where I talked about one of the next stages. Well, how we'll know we're in the next stage of the crisis when banks and government officials begin to blame short sellers. Because when you get into a crisis, everybody focuses on bank stocks and, and the stock market in general. It's easy to say it must be short sellers. This is all just rumors. This is all just. This is all just you know, hyped up. This is fear-mongering and it's fear-mongering that goes through in uh, that's 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 its purpose is essentially that short sellers can make a killing when everybody's uncertain about the banking system and as i said back in uh the end of march reviewing the case of july 2008 when the sec banned naked short selling on big bank stocks as well as the GSEs, and their rationale was something we'll start to, we'll see in a minute The SEC said, false rumors can lead to a loss of confidence in our markets. Such loss of confidence can lead to panic selling, which may be further exacerbated by naked short selling. As a result, the prices of securities may artificially and unnecessarily decline well below the price level that would have resulted from normal price discovery process. If significant financial institutions are involved, this chain of events can threaten disruptions of our markets. The events preceding the sale of Bear Stearns are illustrative of the market impact of rumor. I mean, just shake your head here. During the week of March 10th, 2008, rumors spread about liquidity problems at Bear Stearns because they weren't rumors, they were true, which eroded investor confidence in the firm. Nope, the company didn't have collateral. As Bear Stearns' stock price fell, its counterparties became concerned and a crisis of confidence occurred late in the week. No, that's not what happened. But that's what the SEC wanted everybody to believe what's ha- that was happen- that's what happened. Therefore, they thought if we ban short selling, stock prices won't go down. It won't transmit contagion. Blame the short sellers instead of the collateral shortage, because if we blame the collateral shortage, that'll point the finger back at authorities, especially at the Federal Reserve. We don't want that. We want to be able to say there's nothing going on here, and that if, if there does seem to be trouble in the stock market in particular, it's those damn evil speculators. So earlier today, we got a story in the Financial Times that basically said um, Western Alliance, which is another one of these regional banks that's, that's been in the crosshairs of the market, is seeking advice for possible sale or restructuring. And Western Alliance came out with a press release just a couple hours after the story hit in the Financial Times and said, no, absolutely not. The Financial Times report today that Western Alliance is considering a potential sale of all or part of its business is categorically false in all respects. There's not a single element of the article that is true. Western Alliance is not exploring a sale nor has it hired an advisor to explore strategic options. Here's the thing. It is shameful and irresponsible that the, Federal, that the Financial Times has allowed itself to be used as an instrument of short sellers and as a conduit for spreading false narratives about a financially sound and profitable bank. So here we are in the banking crisis, where we've had Silicon Valley Bank, it was an outlier, and Signature Bank was an outlier, and Credit Suisse was an outlier, and First Republic was an outlier, and the Bank of Hawaii is going to be an outlier, maybe Western Alliance, and maybe this one, and that one, and that one. And now that we know that they're no longer outliers, we're going to hear about, oh, no, it's these damn short sellers, these evil speculators—they're the reason for all our trouble. They're transmitting contagion that otherwise wouldn't exist. Because, as Ben, as uh, Ben Bernanke, as Jay Powell said in his statement, or the FOMC said in their statement yesterday, the banking system is sound and resilient. It's only those who are trying to profit from mayhem that are trying to get you to believe otherwise. Well. Western Alliance, well, Powell, well, FOMC, the markets are all saying unequivocally this thing is real and it is happening and it is going to get the Federal Reserve to turn around whether it wants to or not. So let's talk about the bad steepening. bad steepening is, there's two parts of it. The, the, The one part that I've already talked about is where as the yield curve is inverted, and I gotta do this backwards so it's like this, right? No, it's like this, okay. So we have the yield curve inverted. Short-term rates up here, long-term rates down here. The bad steepening is where the curve has to go into a steeper shape. It doesn't wanna be inverted forever. But instead of going like this, where long-term rates rise, instead what happens is short-term rates start to fall. The whole curve falls, but short-term rates fall faster than long-term rates and eventually it kind of steepens out yet again. So that's bad steepening. But there's also bad steepening that takes place at the long end of the curve. Oh, I'm gonna have to... Okay, so you start out with the curve is steep like this, and then it kind of goes like this into inversion. And you have long-term rates or short-term rates up here, long-term rates are down here. As the curve begins to get into the crisis period, what happens is you also have steepening in the long end, Where it's still inverted up here in the short end but then starts to steepen out in the long end as the whole curve sinks what you have is the short end goes down more the long end the very long end goes down less and sort of the middle goes down in between, so the curve goes like this. You kind of get a tail at the end. So the bad steepening, you've got both parts. You've got the front end going down faster than the long end, the middle part really, and then the long end kind of tails off at the bottom. You get this little tail at the end, that shows that the market is saying, okay, the thing that we're worried about, that we were pricing way off in the distant future, but not really pricing way off in the distant future, we're just pricing some unknown probability at some unknown period. As the known probability becomes a known period, the longer term rates start to steepen out again, which tells you that the thing is here. So what we look at at the treasury curve today, you've got a couple of things, bad steepening, uh, inversions, all that kind of stuff. Right now, the two-year treasury is at 376, and I think it's still falling. The the five-year now is 326, where the 10-year is 332, and the the 30-year is 369. So that's bad steepening on both sides. We've got the two-year going down faster. The five-year has gone down faster than the 10-year. Now the five-year is underneath the 10-year rate, and it's steep now from the five-year all the way out to the thirty. So we've got bad steepening at the front, short-term rates going down faster and long-term rates not going down as as fast at all. There's that little tail at the end of the curve. We see the same thing in Germany too. Again, the ACB hiked its rates today. The German bond market said we don't care one bit. Big drop in two-year treasury rates, or two-year Bund rates compared to, or shots rates I should say, compared to the rest of them. The five-year has pressed down more than the 10-year or the 30-year. So now you got the front end of the, the Bund curve where the shots are going down much faster. The five-year going down less fast. And then that little tail now in the long end of the curve where rates are starting to steepen out at the back. With this like the, the treasury curve, the market is telling you it's here. We also got some more indications. I talked yesterday about the three-month, six-month bill. The, the inversion there is now minus 27 basis points. Again, that's the treasury curve way of echoing what's going on in SOFR futures. And here's another one. The eight-week bill is now above the three-month bill. That happened this week. That could be related to the debt ceiling. We're finally seeing some, maybe some selling in the eight week bill, but that's also that rates are gonna be lower over the long run. So however you look at it, the markets are saying deflation, 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 and they're not saying deflation risk. They're saying it's here. And because it's here, you can see exactly why the markets are pricing that maybe in June, if not July, The Federal Reserve, which does not have any plans of cutting rates, will be cutting rates because it's not about the rate cuts, it's about what is likely to happen, what is unfolding right now before us that will cause all of these reactions in the markets, in the Fed, and everywhere else. I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge, huge thank you, Eurodollar University, subscribers, Markets Insider Pro subscribers, and of course, our Eurodollar University members. Until next time, take care.